Danielle Selig, the best therapist in the universe. Welcome to the Happy You podcast. Oh, Joe, what a welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. Fantastic. And thank you, Danielle. I'm so appreciate not only for your personal help, but for what you do out in the world, because I know it's such a huge help to so many people and this process of therapy is just so vital to so many of us just in doing well in life but it's also so important to talk about because finding the right person and the right process for you it it isn't easy either so um that's why i'm so excited to have you on today to talk about really demystifying the whole process of of wonderful. therapy wonderful <laughs> That's why I'm here and, and, and very happy to be talking about this topic. It's I, I think you're right, Joe. It needs to be talked about and, and we can do this. So, yeah, let, let's get going. Yeah, absolutely. So, and here I am. My name is Joe Bakmutsky. And on this show, we talk about healing from trauma. And I've got an incredible person, Danielle Salek, who is an expert in this field, talking about it right now. So, Danielle, first of all, I mean, I just want to ask you, like, why is therapy even important? Oh, there's so many reasons. You know, I I have this quote that comes to mind when someone asks me that, and it's by by a guy called James Baldwin, and and it's it's that not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. I just love that quote. Um, so it, to me, that means, you know, we need to turn towards the dark stuff, our shadows, our challenges in order to cast some light on them. And I think it's, you know, it's it's important fundamentally because you don't have to go through difficult times alone, you know. Connection is key and it's our absolute superpower as humans and, and it's an important part of anyone's healing journey. You know, and, and the idea that, that therapy, therapy can actually help to heal trauma and make it go away, Joe. You know, we've talked about this. It, it can normalise who we are as people um, and it can teach us how to have closer relationships, you know, um, and accept ourselves. And do you know what? It actually keeps a lot of people alive. So that's why therapy is so I so love it, Danielle, and you, you hit on all the right notes and I think that that even the I'm glad you mentioned the possibility of healing because so many of us go through life after experiencing trauma, just thinking that you know that that you're broken, thinking that you know, things are the way they are and nothing can be changed, and yet there's an opportunity to heal. So then, yeah, like if you're experiencing, if you're someone who's you know experienced hardship, I mean, how do you know that you know you're ready for therapy and and how do you know, how, how do you go about finding who might be the right person to support you on that journey? Yeah, that's a, they're great questions. Um, Joe. I think we all, all experience hardship, you know. So, some are greater than others, but to be human is to experience heartache, you know. We've all been there. Um and therapy is useful at any time if you want to learn something new and genuine about yourself on that road. Um, however, I find it particularly useful when, when you're stuck, 
you know you tried the self-help books and it's it's not working the way you'd hoped um and i'd say you know uh, you know no one feels fully ready um for, for therapy um don't wait until you feel fully ready to make that phone <laughs> call because that day will probably not come um you know we all feel scared when we make that call but but don't let fear get in the way of growth is, is what it's, i'd say um you know there's some practical science too that you're ready for therapy things like you know you're willing to show up for regular appointments that's a good one um and that's that's gotten easier with telehealth you know recently um you can you can do your appointments from your home from the office from the car from the park you know wherever um and also, you know, I'd say uh, another important thing is when you know that there's kind of no quick fixes, I think often people do hope to come in and, and have a quick fix, you know, three sessions and I'm done. Um, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, and, you know, the, the idea is you, you need to bring your thoughts and feelings into the therapy room and learn to trust the process. And if you're willing to do that and you're willing to start thinking a bit differently about things and you're open to change, then, you know, they're all big green green lights that you're ready to go. There's actually a really good book that I recommend to my clients called How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera, How to Do the Work. I, I recommend it to support um, anybody's therapy journey. Um, and I think the second part of your question was... Um, who might be the best person to help you? Um, look, a, a good way to start is actually talking to your GP um, about what's going on for you. They they're often a good starting point, and they'll they'll refer you to an appropriate appropriate person. And do you know what? If that person is not the right fit, it's okay. You try again, you know, um, and use your intuition. Don't forget about that. That's important, you know, and. And ask yourself when you're meeting meeting your therapist, and give it a little bit of time. But ask yourself: Is is this someone I can work with? And at the end of the end of the day, look, it does help if you like the person <laughs> um, and you think they've got the capacity to understand you. Yes, so true, Danielle. And I love how you mentioned the fact that you know you you want to be. Um, you, you can never really be truly ready to start therapy. So it's it's about, like you say, finding that place where you feel stuck, like you you want to take that next step. And even if you don't know what that looks like, you can try to kind of go out and seek that support. And thank you for the book recommendation. I'm going to check it out, obviously, as well. And it, I think it's really powerful that you touched on the fact that, you know, if you don't find the right person who works for right away. You just, you can try again, right? Because I mean, so many of us, and I think I've told you before about my first kind of touch point, uh, that wasn't that great. Like we don't, like so many of us don't have maybe that first good interaction with whether that's a doctor, whether that's a counselor, whether that's some kind of um, mental health specialist uh, for whatever reason. And maybe this just wasn't the right time or the right person or the right approach. And it's so important to keep in mind, you know what, we can go out and, and try to find the person who is going to be right for you, who's going to help you heal, because it's not about yeah, fixing you, as, as you were saying, it's not about like just having something that is a quick fix. It's about finding someone who's going to help you and support you on a journey towards healing. But by the way, uh, Daniel, do you like this metaphor of a journey? I do. Well, it is a journey. I like it. 
Absolutely. You know, it's it's a winding path that we're all on. And, um, you know, you can always, if you're willing to have that growth mindset and, and, and you're open and you're curious about yourself and the world, you can always learn something in, in that therapy space and on that therapy journey. Absolutely. And I I really love this metaphor of journey as well. And I really love the fact that the journey implies to me, Danielle, is that you don't have to be perfect. Like things can go like kind of up and down or sideways a little bit. And it's okay that, you know, because none of us is perfect and you can find your own way through, through life to feel happy about life in a way that works for you. Exactly. You know, you're entirely unique. We are all entirely unique having these different journey, parallel journeys, aren't we? And and sometimes, you know, they're, they're crazy. You know, it can get really chaotic. Um, and other times, you know, it's like a river. It's just a, it's a gentle flowing stream and, and you feel like you're in the flow and, you know, things are going pretty well. You're, you're feeling good. Um, so, yes, it, it's, it's just about, um, you know, trying to stay stay with that journey and connect with as many like-minded people as you can uh, because you know we're, we're all in this together really exactly and i love this mindset because yes we are all in this together you know and and i think when we say us it's everyone who's who suffered whether that's um you know uh the people who go through it whether that's this is your loved ones whether this is uh, people who support you in your mental health and and that journey also going on a journey through therapy as well, like there's, I, I think there's just these myths and misconceptions that still exist, I think, in our culture, Danielle, about, you know, that unfortunately get in the way of people getting the support or seeking help in kind of this mental health space. So what are, what are some of the things that you've seen come up in terms of misconceptions that yeah. get in the way for people? Yeah, absolutely. So um, look, the first one that comes to mind is that idea that, you know, you should wait until you're really unwell before you see somebody. Um, the opposite is true. Don't wait until, you know, your mild depressive symptoms or your mild anxiety symptoms are worsening. Get help early. Treatment outcomes are better. Um, the other thing I'd say is there's there's a lot of concerns out there at the moment that it's too expensive and it's hard to find someone who has space. Yeah, you would have heard about that, Joe. Um, yeah. You know, it, and it is true that one in three psychologists, you know, they, they're at capacity right now. They're not taking new clients. That still leaves a lot of psychologists who have, you know, um, open books where they can take on um, new clients. And also I know the government um, recently announced, you know, I think it was about 90 million over a number of years to increase the psychology workforce. And that's a good start, right? That's a good start. Um, We've also got a very talented and diversified mental health workforce in this country, and we're lucky, and they include people like mental health social workers. They include mental health nurses, counsellors, psychiatrists, occupational therapists, and others. So that's that's important to know too. Um, I guess the big misconception is the stigma around seeking help, you know, that you might be seen as weak if you're seeing someone, if you're talking to someone about your problems. I reckon that's changed a lot in the last 20 years, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, organisations like Beyond Blue, they've helped with um, destigmatizing mental illness. Um, and, you know, really it's the opposite. Your vulnerability is your strength. 
it, it means that you're actually taking responsibility for how you show up in the world and the world absolutely needs this, right? Um, it's chaotic. Like I said before, the world's a chaotic place and we we all need to continue to build our emotional muscles to live with it. You know, that that's my belief. Totally. And it's like, I don't know, it's like, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's like the, the stigma. I kind of, you know, it's like if you have a, if there's been a storm and there's been like just this, 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 this uh, you know, leaking through your roof and there's rain that comes in, you're not going to be sitting there going, you know what, if I... You know, if, if, if I call like a plumber, like I'm going to look stupid, like we don't do that. Yeah. So why is it that, that, that we have this thing about, you know, getting help and support when you need it for your mental health? You know, we want to be able to be in a position, you know, I need support in this right now. Here is the type of person that can help me. Let me go and do that because it's, it's for me. Absolutely. And Joe, you know, I've, I've talked about this openly with you um, when I did my, um, EMDR therapy training to become an EMDR therapist. I um, I went and 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 um, sought out an EMDR therapist. So I've been the client, right? Yeah. Um, and not every therapist does this, but many do. Okay. Um, and you know, in our EMDR training, we we're encouraged to seek out our own our own therapy, um, just just like when you first train. Um, and when you train in EMDR, we practice on each other, even with our trauma memories that are not too distressing, um, you know, and we see the benefits of our clients uh, that our clients get. And we think, geez, you know, I've got some old memories that are still a bit uncomfortable for me. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm going to go get some EMDR therapy to work on this. So absolutely. I'm all, I'm all over that. Fantastic, Danielle. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, you yourself and many therapists do get uh, go through the experience of of being on kind of the other end of, of therapy because absolutely because you know what it's like you, you kind of that's you kind of step into the person's shoes so you really get to feel the experience and you know and 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 kind of adjust as the way that you do things uh, i think it's a very important part of being a therapist I think we must know what it feels like to be the client. And I really enjoyed my therapy, which was a bonus. Um, and it definitely has made me a better therapist. Fantastic, Danielle. And so speaking of EMDR, Danielle, mm -hmm. please give us a breakdown. Like if you're someone who doesn't know the first thing about mm -hmm. EMDR, like, like what is it and why is it a big deal? Yeah, yeah. Joe, do you know, EMDR, to talk about EMDR, I feel like I need to talk a little bit about trauma. Is that okay if I, if I just Absolutely. chat a little bit about that for a minute? Totally. Um, and it might get a bit technical. We love, <laughs> so, we, we, like, we love a technical. Put well, your seatbelt on, okay? Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, that there's, yeah, there's two, two therapies that I've, um, I've trained in that I use the most, um, and EMDR therapy is one of those therapies. Um, and they're both trauma-focused therapies, okay? So they work with trauma. They, they work at healing it. Um, so first, a little bit about, about trauma. So our, our brain has this natural or innate capacity to process information, right, in a really adaptive way. So new experiences and information are integrated and connected to related information that's already stored in our memories, in our memory networks. 
And that's what allows us to make sense of our experiences on a daily basis. So what's useful is learned and stored in our memory networks with emotions attached, and then it's made available to guide us as we go through our daily lives and in the future, okay? Trauma causes a disruption to the brain's natural processing system, okay? It gets overwhelmed and often due to a more challenging emotion like anger or shame or fear and a negative belief about ourselves like, you know, I am weak, the memories get stored differently in these isolated memory networks in our brain and they get triggered when a reminder comes along, okay? Is that making sense? Yeah, it's just it's beautiful explanation of how things work. Good, good. So we go about our daily lives and we make these new memories and these memories are encoded primarily on the left side of the brain and in the hippocampus in our brainstem at the back, okay? A trauma memory is encoded primarily on the right side of the brain as sensory memories, so what we could smell, hear, taste, touch, feel, and in the amygdala. Now, you probably have heard of the amygdala before. Um, our fight, flight, freeze response is controlled by our amygdala. So it keeps us safe by alerting us to danger. However, if we are triggered by something or someone, we may well be safe right now in the present, but we don't feel it. Yeah? yeah. So there's 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 been a bit of talk about trauma triggers um, at the moment. Trauma is a bit of a buzzword, I feel, right now. And it's good that we all understand what we're talking about when we talk about it. Um, the good news about trauma is there is actually several therapies that treat trauma. And so, you know, um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy, EMDR therapy is one of those. So this is an interesting therapy joke. It was developed in 1987 by a lovely American lady called Francine Shapiro. And it's one of those evidence-based therapies recommended by the World Health Organization. Um, and also Phoenix Australia for treating adults with um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, okay? And it actually uses eye movements which cause a process to occur which unlocks that trauma memory held in the brain, usually on the right side, and then it helps to kickstart the natural ability of the brain to process information or reprocess the information in a healthy way, working on that trauma memory as it does. So there's eight phases to EMDR therapy. The first one is that is the history taking, um, and then there's preparation and a, and a stage that we call resourcing, so getting the client ready to do the EMDR therapy. And then we find target memories. We go after the juicy targets, you know, of the, the tricky things that have happened. Um, and then there's a phase called desensitisation, which is where the eye movements are involved. And then there's a phase called installation where we're installing a positive belief, a more positive or neutral belief about what happened around the, um, the trauma. Um, and then we do a body scan and some closure and checking in um, when, we have a, when we have a new session or the next session. So it looks at past memories, present triggers and future coping strategies. There's a past, present and future element to EMDR therapy. Did that make sense? <laughs> totally. That was, I love that you described it such an um, elegant 
way, Danielle. So tell me what happens in the brain as you are going through these eight stages and you get through that process of, I think you, you described this uh, desensitization of memories. I think I scrambled mm-hmm. that one. But you know what I mean? What happens in the brain to those traumatic memories? Well, actually, the memories, they move. They move and they move away from being floating around your brain and getting triggered when reminders come along to being um, stored in our short-term and and long-term memory store like other memories. So they move from those isolated memory networks into into a more adaptive network. memory network for the brain and there's more integration you might have heard of this term so integration is neural pathways across the left and right side of the brain and a healthy brain has lots of integration in it and so emdr therapy helps to create these neural pathways um, that that move across the left and right side of the brain yeah that's and that's that's just so crazy that you know because and i remember like going through this process with you I remember like it's that's that part of the memory it almost gets to a place or at least it did so for me where I almost had trouble recalling the memory mm. itself like mm. how does it work Yeah that's called distancing Joe because the memory gets filed away it's like a filing cabinet it gets put in in its in its normal place um that's why we call it the adaptive information processing model that the EMDR is based on The brain knows what to do when it's not dealing with a trauma memory and we just kickstart that natural process. So that memory gets filed away and it doesn't bother us so much like all the other neutral or happy memories we've got of our lives. And I had the same experience, Joe, when I did EMDR therapy. I, I experienced that distancing um, and that sense of, you know, it, it just didn't bug me as much, the memory. It, it, it didn't bother me. It just became a memory. As it should be, Danielle. And you mentioned also the second approach that you use um, in your practice. Can you talk to that as well? And and how maybe the, if, whether that even relates that relates to EMDR. Like EMDR. EMDR therapy works really well as a, a therapy that integrates with other uh, modalities. And um, the other therapy that I use it with mostly in my practice is called ego state therapy, um, which again is it's It's, it's based on the premise that every human has parts to themselves, like their adult self now, like you and I talking to each other, and other parts. Like you can think of the silly five-year-old part inside you that likes to dance, you know, and just <laughs> let their hair down. Or the cranky adolescent that likes to rebel against things, you know. <laughs> Or maybe, you know, that, that professional part that shows up at work. So what actually um, happens is sometimes those younger parts of ourselves like to take over when it's not helpful and often when, when we're not conscious of that process happening. And those younger parts often hold the memories of what happened at a time when we were younger, yeah? So they can be involved and brought into the process of healing from trauma. Um, Another way to explain it is that, you know, for every age and learning situation, we develop neural pathways in our brain. And we've got them for right now and for all ages in our past. And sometimes those old pathways arise or get triggered and we feel and do things that belong to the past when the more current ones might, you know, they might work better for us. Um, so 
the, the EMDR therapy and ego state therapy, they work, the work gives us a way to, to connect the right now parts of our brain with the back then parts of our brain, if you will, so that you can consciously choose the next best choice for what now. And the most important thing about it, Joe, and this is what I love about it, is that it can help clients build a sense of themselves as adult, as lovable, as worthwhile, and, you know, as competent. Yeah, that's such a, and I love the, the two different ways or two different perspectives that you gave on that process. And, you know, like the, the idea that we have parts, I think it's just such such a phenomenal idea because it almost sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Like that, that we have yeah. parts because it, it's going to go, wait a second, does it mean, <laughs> mean that I'm like, is this something that, this is something that we should embrace, right? Because it's it sounds a little bit weird. Yeah, okay. I think I've been doing it for so long that it doesn't sound weird to me anymore. Um, I, I just I just love it. Yeah, it's it's something we should absolutely embrace. You know, th these parts are connected to states. We have this um, where we use in psychology called states. It's you know it's often connected to um, a feeling that we felt at a time when we were younger. Um, and why wouldn't we have all of that inside of us? You know, this is as you said, it's a journey, right? <laughs> life, life, and the trauma road, and and growing and healing. It's it's all a journey, and we carry those parts with us on the journey as we go, no matter how old we are. Yes, absolutely. And so these parts then become something that we can, as you say, embrace, but also we're helping to, and again, I'll use the, the word you've been using, we help to integrate them into the way that we live our daily life. And mm. like, I've, I haven't seen that experience or haven't experienced it for myself. I think it was one thing that I did not expect, Danielle, is that it was a very emotional experience. Because when I, I've heard it, I've read about it, and to me it sounded a bit kind of woo-woo, but going through it is a, is a tremendously, like, it's a really, like, emotional experience. Like, I had t tears in my eyes. Like, it was, it's, it's full. Like, tell me, how does that work? Uh, because, you know... Um... The body doesn't know the difference, um, you know, when, a, when a, a younger part of ourselves gets activated, you know, or gets triggered, um, our body doesn't know the difference between now and then. We feel all those emotions that we felt, you know, when we were five or 12 or whatever it might be. Um, and it's a beautiful thing and it's a powerful thing. And, yes, um, often people are taken aback by how emotional it is because this is the beauty of therapy, right? It, it can You can have these great cathartic moments doing doing these um you know uh, doing these therapies and there's there's not just two trauma therapies joe there's there's others you know and there's a, many other beautiful therapies that our mental health professionals use um to help to help um i guess kick start the healing journey yeah fantastic and i'm so glad that you um that you mentioned the fact that there is different approaches um, even apart from those two, because I think sometimes we have this stereotype, or at least I know I did, that 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 going to the therapist is like this this cliche you see in the movies where you know you you you're lying on your couch and, and uh, 
on your back and the therapist says, don't talk to me about your mother. And it's, 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 it's nothing like the experience that happens, you know, can happen in real life, right? Yeah, uh, look, um, some therapists do have a couch. I actually do have a couch in my room, but not that many people lie down on it. Um, well, we've got I'll do the next time, Danielle. Yeah, you can. Uh, lots, <laughs> lots of comfy chairs. Um, and, yes, that, that old idea, that Freudian idea of, you know, um, the, the psychoanalysis where you don't even look at the therapist, you know, um, and the therapist is required to be that mirror just to, to, be, to um, reflect back whatever you're thinking and feeling in a very neutral way um no there's many therapies that are far more active like you know, emdr therapy and ego state therapy and lots of others um that we know work they're evidence-based um and that's why we use them and it's really it's it's a it's a partnership isn't it joe don't you think well 100 percent. it's it's a partnership and i would also say it's a creative partnership because it's not something yes. that is done to you but it's something that is done with you so you're in essence creating something together um and uh, so no couch daniel but what i guess uh, uh oh no you do have a couch so that, that's always an option but yeah. I mean, in general <laughs> but in general like i think what sort of expectations we talked about you gave us a, a, some great ideas about you know what are some of the things that will help you to decide to try therapy if you're kind of on the fence but what sort of expectations like would you believe are kind of helpful right when you are considering therapy mm. Mm. well i think you know first of all think about what's most important for you to work on now that's perhaps not an expectation but that's something important to to reflect on um, when you're making that first appointment and, you know, what do you want to change or improve? And if you're not sure, be prepared to work on gaining some clarity around that early in the process with the therapist. Yep. Um, you know, have a think about anything you don't want to discuss, you know, at least initially too. Um, you know, I think also think about the type of therapy you're after. If, if you have an interest in a particular type, then you can seek out that, that, that therapist who, who um, has that training um, and think about what you might need the therapy for. You know, uh, is it addiction? Is it um, eating disorders? Is it couples therapy that you might need, you know? Um, so we were talking about looking to find the right fit and that can help with expectations if you do find the right fit um, early on. Um, I think most importantly, it helps to be persistent and patient um, and, you know, stay the course as you work on your issues and you gain awareness of your strengths and problems on the journey. And your therapist is not there to, to fix things, as you mentioned before, Joe. you know. Um, it, it's a partnership and you will learn something genuine about, about yourself on the journey, but you got to do the work, you know. Yes. 100%. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the word clarity because that's what we get sometimes um, when I think with therapy is such a beautiful uh, experience is sometimes you go through life and you experience things and you don't get to almost step outside of yourself and look at kind of the whole perspective of what's really going on and being able mm -hmm. to see that big picture, but also then you know, potentially zoom in or zoom out at, at, at points. 
gives you an ability to go, this is my story. Like, this is what I've experienced is, I mean, like for me, it was like, no wonder I felt so messed up at different parts of my life. Because uh, look yeah. at all the stuff that I didn't even know that was there, right? Like you have to see things for what they are. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, you get a bit of that bird's eye view, don't you? Totally. I think because we're in our own heads and in our, in our own, you know, body suits walking around on the earth. Um, but often we don't get that chance and, and have that space to reflect and and um, get a bit more objectivity and, and get a storyline, get a narrative about, oh, geez, this is this is what I this is the road I've walked. You know, this, these are these experiences that I've had that have shaped who I am and how I show up in the world today. And no wonder I feel this in different situations. Yeah, because I remember we were doing, I think, a trauma map at one point. And at first I was like almost reluctant because I was thinking, you know, I kind of know, I mean, I'm here because of this. And But we started mm-hmm. to go through it and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I mean, there's a lot going on in here, Joe. So it's like, <laughs> like I said, it's that, that clarity that comes in. And, you know, this, and there's obviously it's the healing is such a, um, well, well, that's why we're there. That's why we're there to heal. And I know this is something that doesn't often get talked about, or at least I feel it doesn't get talked about, is the healing process and what it brings into your life. Because oftentimes we talk about, you know, I guess some of the more common things like being more calm, but there's also like, like it's a transformative experience that brings so many beautiful things into our lives when we are healing from trauma. Like, Daniel, like when you look at healing from trauma through therapy, like you've seen a lot of people, you've, you've, you, you've done it through your own experience. Like what are the things that maybe don't get enough attention in terms of the outcomes or the, the positive states or the, the things that can help us uh, mm-hmm. to feel better about ourselves moving forward? I think I think one of the most beautiful gifts of trauma therapy is we can actually connect these more positive thoughts we have about ourselves. Like you know, I, I I'm 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 important. I matter. I'm enough. You know, whatever the positive thought is, you know, I'm strong. Maybe um, you connect it with a feeling in your body which wasn't there before. You actually embody it. You feel it. So you're thinking it and you're feeling it and you're feeling it in your body. And then when you have that superpower, um, then you, you're able to go out into the world from that place of self-acceptance and more compassion, more self-love and, and, and give that to the world, you know, and, and it expresses itself in so many beautiful ways. And it has a, a ripple effect for generations to come. That's my favourite thing about trauma, Joe. You know, it, it stops the rot. And we know that it takes, often it takes generations for people to overcome a traumatic event that has occurred, generations. You know? um, however, with trauma therapy, we can, we, can, we can get in there and we can actually make a huge difference, you know, not just for your children but your children's children. And that's a, that's a beautiful way to think about it, that it not only helps you but it helps uh, your family it helps it's it's it's, it's essentially it's it's doing therapy 
to heal from trauma is essentially a way to serve your family, your loved ones, your community, because you say you're stopping the rot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I, you know, there's this term called self-actualization. Have you heard of that, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's the royal royal road or royal path to self-actualization. I think it's I think we often need to clear our trauma load to be able to walk that journey of not only feeling good about ourselves, having connection to others, but actually um, you know, uh, dare I say it, finding what you're here for. Yeah. You know, and, and getting in that glow of of thinking, yeah, you know, I'm doing I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing and and I and I'm feeling good about myself being in the world. I, th- I think that I think it gets us closer to that. That's just been my experience of it. One hundred percent, Danielle, and because it gets us to a place where we're feeling more whole, we're feeling more connected to ourselves, we're feeling more connected to our experience, and mm-hmm. that's the beauty of life that we want to experience. Danielle, thank you so much for being here. Any last resources or last words you want to throw at us? Um, oh, look, you know, I think I think hope is key. If I haven't already said it today, you know, that would be my final note. Be hopeful. I, I always think of my dad's favourite saying, you know, that it's always darkest before the dawn. And, and in my many years of being a therapist, I, I have found that to be true. So I just want everybody out there to be hopeful um, and, and I, wish them, I wish them well. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for finishing in the spirit of hope. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for being here, my friend. I want to deeply honor your life your story and where you are today and it's my hope that this show it it serves you in some way because i believe that we are all just capable of so much more than we think sometimes and 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 this incredible potential of what we're capable of and leading a life that you're proud of that you're excited by what i tell myself so they're my loved ones that's what i'm here just sharing this this with you right and I have this vision. I have this vision for bringing together survivors. Survivors of trauma, of difficult experience, of difficult circumstance. Whether that's going through sexual abuse, domestic violence, living with illness, going through war. Bring together people who've been through it or living through difficult times, the loved ones, so we can come together to give, give our best in our lives, in, in, in with our loved ones, in our communities, in our work, to grow, to grow towards our dreams, towards our hopes, towards our desires, and to heal, to heal from difficulties and struggle and making sense of what's right for you today. That's why I'm here. That's why I wrote my book, Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in a challenging world of today. And if this vision, just if it speaks to you in some way, I'd love to hear from you. 
I'd love to hear from you if you could email me at joe at powertobehappy.com that's j-o-e at powertobehappy.com whatever you want to say I'd, I'd love to hear from you please let me know what you think and thank you again so much for being here today I'll speak to you next time